lock that in. All right, fantastic. Yeah, again, so moms, we're super glad you're here. And again, as we talk this morning just about moms, I want you to recognize that we're really talking about anybody who is 18 and over, uh, right? Because we recognize that you're carrying as an adult uh, what we call this mother heart, right? This thing we believe God's placed in each of you. We're actually going to talk about it this morning. Uh, just this nature of who we are as moms and who you are and how you relate, how you connect and God's calling in your life. But I don't, I think I would be doing us a disservice this morning if not kind of starting in a place of honesty. We recognize this morning also as we celebrate moms that Mother's Day can be difficult for many people, right? Just because of these maybe disillusionment and the idea of, hey, I've got, I've got kids, but they're just not doing well, right? I feel estranged from them. I'm struggling as a parent. Maybe we've lost a child along the way. Or maybe like me in Mother's Day, it's difficult because you've lost your mom and so this is a day of like great remembrance, but also a sense of great loss, right? Uh, and so for many of us, that's a place where we struggle. So I just want to honor you this morning, recognize, man, this is, a, this is a celebration, but it's also a moment of honoring the difficulty that some people feel of maybe just not uh, having your dreams met of what it meant to be a mom. And so with that, I want you just to hear great compassion, great honor this morning. But I think in that, I think there's still this beautiful message, or I know there's this beautiful message I believe God wants to speak this morning uh, into the lives of women in general, but understanding uh, their place and their role as God has called them. And so with that this morning, I want to start uh, by looking at Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27. And it says this, it says, So God <clears throat> created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. I love this picture this morning because this, this is the beginning, right? This is the beginning. This is Genesis. This is the moment of inception, right? This is the starting point in life, right? And God comes into this moment, and, and in Genesis, he, he, honors, he honors male and female by talking about, hey, here's an intentionality on my part of my design to raise up male and to raise up female. And so this morning as we sit here, we want to honor the nature of God's creation. And in honoring God's creation, we want to recognize that male and female in the eyes of God are uniquely designed, uniquely crafted, and they are celebrated by God. And this morning specifically, I want to talk about women and the context of who they are as women, as than being moms and recognizing this in the context of the world in which we've lived for thousands of years if we're completely honest women have had it more difficult than men just in the context literally in cultures and generations women have no rights women didn't have a voice husbands had the right to discipline slash beat their wives as a legal responsibility that they had along the way males did not have that that's not great in case you're wondering right in the context women you were not deemed as someone who was worthy to have a vote in the United States of America at some point and so the Christian church and the feminist movement began to move on your behalf right and they began to give you a voice so all of a sudden you were allowed to vote. You may find that fascinating to recognize the feminist movement actually started, but was started by 
God-fearing, conservative Christian churches who were recognizing those who were oppressed in their day and age. They had been fighting. They had been fighting against slavery and looked for a new cause. And so they got behind the cause of women who were struggling and being oppressed in America. Obviously, somewhere along the way, it got hijacked, unfortunately, right, by this militant version. But it's at its inception, its source. And so recognizing, to be honest with you, that we still then live in that lingering effect of, of women, and just we're honest, maybe just, maybe with words seen as equals, but maybe in the way that we view or talk, especially, to be honest with you, in the South, where we've grown, I mean, most of us have grown up, there's this, at least this, and how we view women, and this morning, I just want to say, I don't think that is at all what God had in, in store at his creation, and so as it relates to being a woman, as it relates to being a mother, I feel like so many times, people are seen as this, as women here, and this morning, let's just kind of raise it up to here to recognize as we begin, you were created by God, male and female. And so the beginning point is a recognition of honor of who you are as designed by God. Now, we know that God created a male first, right, what we called man, and then exactly second came woman, which simply just means from man. So it's man and from man, right? And so you have man over here who was created, and God looked at, and God, we recognize, we know God created man in his image, right? So the idea of, like, the, the image of God and the traits that define God were taken into man and put into him. So we love because of the trait of God being able to love, right? We, we have this ability to show compassion because God shows compassion. We have this ability to hurt because God can hurt. So the, the image, anything of value in us that defines who we are in our personhood is ultimately the design of God being created in his image, placed within us, and his traits being put in us. And so I think it's really fascinating that God, right, came over here and, bit and created man. And it says in chapter 2, uh, verse 20, you know, and it's not on the screen, but it says, no suitable helper, no suitable helper was found for him. So God reached into man's side. Some scriptures talks about grabbed a rib. That's not really what it says. That's just what they use. But right, just kind of reached into his side and pulled something out and then designed and fashioned and formed woman. I, I grew up in a world where I'd hear my, my, the preachers I was under talk about, they like, you know, man, man was created, but women were fashioned, right? Women were formed. I always loved that piece because he's basically, God just took extra time and effort on them showing their value, right? I think that's very true but but this piece is so but here's the thing i want you to recognize and ladies i want you to hear this it's so fascinating because god so man was created was not a suitable helper recognize the word helper is there's nothing in that word right that speaks to subordination it literally speaks to an equal partner being raised up to work alongside of so not to call you an ox but think of oxen right you have one ox in this yoke over here and then all of a sudden you put another ox it could be a male and a female right you could put the other oxen right here in the yoke and they begin to pull and they are now partners together pulling equal weight going this beautiful piece about things that are pulling if one oxen can pull five thousand you would think they could raise they could lead ten thousand but now when they're actually together Together they can like pull like 25,000, right? That's just kind of how it works with this pulling. So together, they're partners equally empowered to do this work together as equal partners. Both of them 
designed and created by God. So it's interesting. So in that moment, God reaches then to man. This is man right here, right? <clears throat> reaches then to man. And whatever God pulls out, it is part of his image. It is part of his personhood. And then he designs woman. And so now what you have is what man used to have in fullness of God's image being in him. God reached out and pulled part of his image out and designed woman and put that into her. And so now they are both functioning as unique individuals in the image of God, expressing the traits of God. And so when they then come together as one in oneness, they now actually are a picture of the God, of God in his greatest fullness. So in marriage, that's a beautiful picture of this, right? The image of God, man, the image of God, woman, they come together mysteriously and become one as if they are then reunited to be the picture of who God wants us to be. That's why for me and for many of us, we, we fight for this beautiful picture of mothers and fathers. We fight for man and woman together because we believe we were designed for this in oneness, the full expression of who God is, the fullness of image of God. We celebrated yesterday Connor Carter and Mary Lee Johns. Connor's been a part of Vintage for many years. He's been back here doing cameras most recently, right? They got married yesterday, and it was such a beautiful moment, right, just celebrating their life and talking through. But when they did, like, their um, speeches and their, uh, what's it called, toast beforehand, thank you, it was like in their toast beforehand, it was crazy because four different people said this. Almost the exact verbatim language. Hey, we've known each of you apart from one another, but we have to, I have to say that when I see you with the other, that person brings out the best version of yourself. There's this Jesus, and they would say there's this like Jesus part that just comes out when you're around the other. And they said it like, Connor, you're the best version of yourself after being around Mary Lee. And Mary Lee, you're the best version of yourself when you're around Connor because you actually enhance one another to bring out the fullness of who you are and who God has designed you to be in the context of your relationship. That's this picture here of what God is looking for, right? And so in this, in this, we just see this woman. I want you to hear me say the implication is clear. When God made man and then fashioned woman, each were filled with traits. Each were put into the image of God. And everything that they had that's good and right is, in the, is the image and the personhood of God in them. Both, and let me say this this morning, both the fatherly traits and the motherly traits. What I would call is the God-mom traits. The God-mom traits. The traits that primarily maybe you in your mind like, well, women are by nature more compassionate. We'll talk about these things. Women by nature or whatever, right? And those pieces that are good and right, those are because God is in them. That's his image and it's actually the God-mom traits. That's why I look and say, in the eyes of God, you don't have male traits and female traits. You have God traits. He's placed in each person in his image. In his personhood, which means this, you have value because of God's design. And I don't want anyone to steal that. I don't want our culture to steal that. I don't even want maybe your husband to steal that by looking down on you. In the eyes of God, he looks and says, 
you are designed in my image and the traits that you express. It's actually me being expressed through you. Let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate them this morning. I love in the Old Testament. Listen, in the Old Testament, some people historically have said things, well, man, the Old Testament, God just seems so much more harsh. Like Jesus, just in the, in the compassion-filled Jesus of the New Testament, just seems really, really different, right? Until you dive into and you read like the prophet Isaiah, and here's Isaiah coming, right? And he's speaking on behalf of God. So what he's writing in these verses I'm going to read are God speaking about himself. Right, speaking about himself, and he says these things, starting in Isaiah 66, verse 13. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. I love this, right? Jesus is, I mean, God's coming and saying, I'm like a mother. I'm a mother who comforts her child, and so I will comfort you, and you'll be comforted. He's connecting with this God-mom trait of being a comforter in his children's life, in her children's life. Isaiah 49, 13 through 15, shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion again. See, this is trait of compassion on his afflicted ones. He comforts them, Right? But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. So they don't believe these words. They can't receive these words. And then God looks and says, listen, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you, right? It's this image of God not forgetting as a mother never forgets her child, right? It's this beautiful piece saying, I'm like a mother. I am a mother. This mother heart, this mother trait that I put into moms, that is me that never forgets. Or Isaiah 42, 13 through 14. I love this, these two verses. The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the battle cry, will triumph over his enemies. For a long time, God's saying, I've kept silent. I've been quiet. I've held myself back. He's like in the idea that this, this journey of discipline that he has them on. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, and I pant. I mean, those of you who have babies and you didn't get an epidural, do you remember? Like this? This is like real clear imagery. Like allow the, the, like the uncomfortableness of those words to seep in. Like have you, ever, have you ever imagined and created a picture of God in your mind gasping and panting and screaming at the top of his lungs like a mom giving birth to a child without an epidural? Like I don't know about you, but I don't normally think of God this way, I'm just saying. Right? But he's coming in this moment. There's something unique and powerful. He's like, I'm just not going to be silent. Like, I'm going to come and I'm going to fight. I'm going to, I'm going to scream. I'm going to come and I'm going to fight. I'm going to, I'm going to yell. I'm not I'm going to make sure my voice is heard in the moment. I've been silent, but I won't be silent anymore. I won't be silent anymore. Why? Why are we talking about this? Simple. I want every woman in here this morning who is, who is a woman and you're carrying this mother heart of God to recognize 
You are carrying the heart of God. You are expressing the image and the traits of God. And you are not less than and you're not inferior to anyone and to any man. You are equal in the eyes of God. You were designed in his image and he celebrates you. He celebrates you this morning and the traits of God that you carry and that you express. I want you this morning to feel honored. I want you to recognize God's calling. I want you to recognize the traits and the image that you carry are not less than. They are powerful. I'll be honest with you. This primary value and trait of comfort, to be honest with you, is the most difficult and strength-needed trait of God, in my opinion, out there. Because comfort means I have to die to self to love somebody else. It's easier to run off and fight than it is to care for someone who is hurting. It's a beautiful, powerful trait of strength, and we want to honor that. And we want men and women together to honor the image of God that's in the other. We want to honor the image of God and how each were designed in the other. In the book, you've heard it, maybe you've read it, maybe you haven't, the book Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, it says this, it's not on the screen, just listen, once upon a time, Martians and Venetians, and Martians being men, Venetians being women, they met, they fell in love, they had happy relationships together because they respected and they accepted their differences. They came to earth and amnesia set in. They forgot they were from different planets with different traits and different values and different expressions of God's image. Right? We have this happen in our life. And this morning again, we just, we want moms of every kind. We want, I want you to hear me say you've been designed by God. And the traits, the good things that you carry that make you great as a mom, they are the God-mom traits inside of you. To be celebrated, and we are forever grateful. So with that this morning, I'm totally going to shift gears. I'm going to kind of name these three traits that we just saw in these scriptures, and I'm going to tell you a few stories along the way to make the point. The ultimate goal of all of these, these are the traits I am looking at you women saying, these are the things we celebrate. We want to celebrate them in you, and we say to you, continue to fan and flame the traits in the image of God that's in your life and that you're designed to do. The first thing that we see is from Isaiah 66, 13, this primary God-mom trait is to be a comforter. To be a comforter. We saw that from Isaiah 16, 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, so will, I, so will I comfort you. It's a beautiful piece, right? I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and something happened, right? Something that was scary, something that hurt me. I would always run right past my dad to get to my mom. It's just the way that it was, right? Every single time. And when my mom wasn't around and I had to go to my dad, I'd always look at my dad and say, I just wish mom were here. Somewhere along the way, right? I wanted to make that value. Like he was trying to be compassionate, but it just felt very, very different in the moment, right? As a God trait comforting, I believe, is at the, the top of the list of these God traits that moms naturally carry. Comfort speaks to understanding. It speaks to sensitivity. It speaks to selflessness. I'll never forget, I was sitting in seminary. I may have told this story several years ago, but 
they were, we were talking about the difference between men and women, right? We were talking about an ethics class that I was in, and talking about men and women, and this professor began to talk about Carol Gilligan, right? Carol Gilligan, she would work in this area, right, of, of analysis of, of human beings, right, of moral behavior. And so, and this is back in like the 50s and the 60s, she began to look at all of these uh, studies that had been done about humanity, probably starting back in the 40s and in science, and she began to look at it going, this doesn't, this doesn't compute. This doesn't, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem like the experience of the world that I'm in of humanity acting like this. So she went back and looked at the studies and realized the studies were only done of men, right? So studies of humanity only studied men, again, because women, you just didn't have value in the day of being someone who was worthy of being studied because you were seen as inferior and as weak as they wanted to study the, the superior, right, the superior sex. And so they just studied men, and she's like, well, I'm sitting here teaching at Harvard, and I seem to be smarter than most of the men in this room, so I'm going to do my own study of this, right? And so knowing she all of a sudden took a study of humanity, and she added women to the study, and surprise, surprise, the results were a little bit different, right? And one of the specific instances that I love that I remember we talked about in class for a while to make this picture, this picture, she said, I took a hundred women and I took a hundred men and I asked, and this is a midst of other questions, but I asked them one specific question and it was this to to both of them, to 200 people. She looked at them and said, suppose you walk out the door and you look out to see a man beating a child. How do you respond? Nine out of ten men said, I would come by and I'd see the child and I would run after the perpetrator so I could bring justice to them. Nine out of ten women said, I see the man, but my heart was drawn to the child, and I would run over, wrap my arms around the child, and I would just love on them, care for them, and comfort them. For the first time, humanity was seen to be these these like mutually beneficial responses in the moment. Every guy's like, all right, man, you chase him down, and you like bring justice in the moment if you need to, right? And the woman's like, I just want to care for the child. And both of them are beautiful. Both of them are right. Both of them are mutually strong and an expression of the image of God. You were designed this way, right? Comfort in Scripture means someone who helps Someone who gives encouragement. It's a God mom trait, and we celebrate it. I love number two, the idea that God never forgets. So there's this God mom trait of never forgetting, the idea of loving no matter what's going on. Isaiah 49, we again, once again see God as the comforter, the one who has compassion for those who are afflicted. But it's interesting, the people are so... I don't know, they're so hurt, they feel so rejected, they're struggling so much, they're just, they're just blind to the truth of who God is in their life. Every single one of you have had moments like this, where someone's speaking truth about you, and there's something that's true about you, and you just 
can't receive it, right? You just can't engage it. You're feeling rejected and see people are sitting here. People are like or that you're unloved or unlovable. And people are like, oh my gosh, look at who you know and who your friends are. Look what this person just said about you're like trying to speak truth. Like parents do this all the time. Their killed kids comes, oh my God, no one likes me. Everybody hates me. Da, 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 da. You're like, oh my gosh, do you know how much you're, you're like it's trying to squeeze it into them, right? They don't receive with compassion. Trying to force it down on whatever it is. Like, because you know it to be true. That's the piece here. He never forgets. He's like, he's a parent. He's a mom. Right? God, this mom trace, like, always loving, always fighting for, always caring, always engaging. I never forget, I was living in Athens, and I'd become friends with this guy, and he, he was always on the streets. I think he was a drug dealer. I don't really know, but he liked me, right? Because I would come to him. I'd always see him. I'd go running over to him, and I'd make him hug me, and it was awkward at first, and then he'd be like, he liked me, and where I was, he'd come running to me and find me, and we'd have some sort of handshake, I don't know, right? And do our thing and talk, and then he started bringing people to me. So they're bringing people to me, right? And so I'll never forget this one day. There's this guy I'd never seen him. He was like this. He was like this. And to be honest with you, he was really, really scary. I'm like, is he his bouncer, right? Is he like the heavy in his little drug cartel? I have no idea, but I'm going to love him, right? And so literally, uh, he comes up, and he starts, I said, what's up, man? We start talking, da 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 We have this thing back and forth. I said, well, you want to go in here to Blue Sky Coffee and get some coffee? It was the coffee shop that was there before Starbucks. <sighs> Came and rent him out. Anyway, so Blue Sky Coffee, right? We go in, and it's me and these two, like, I mean, let's be honest with you, scary dudes with a bunch of college students, and they're all like this away from our table, right? And I'm totally leaning in, like, dude, tell me your story. And he can tell me a story, and his story is no different than that verse 14. I feel forsaken. Everybody's forgotten me. And he spends like 30 minutes for two, I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. Like, his whole life story of every person that been mean to him, Every person who ever rejected him, every single situation where the law would come against him, and why now he was quasi on the streets and couldn't quite make it in life. And I'm sitting there listening, and my other buddy, my, I don't know, my drug cartel buddy, whatever over here, I can't remember his name. I remember it 10 years ago. I'm now older and can't remember names, right? But he's sitting over here doing his, and he's like looking at me, looking at him, and he's waiting for me, like to get the, right, knowledge into his life to save the guy, Right? And I don't know, I don't know what to say, so I just, I go, I just pray. It's like, Jesus, whatever, you know, whatever his name, like, whatever his name was, God, I'm just, you know, like, I'm doing, like, the multitasking thing where I'm listening, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I'm praying at the same time, God, what are, what do you want to say to this guy? I have nothing to offer him. And I feel like I hear the Lord. And I look at him, and I just said, let me stop you real quick. Kind of abrupt, because he was, like, deep into his forsakenness, right? I said, let me just stop you right there. I said, hey, man, where are you from? He goes, he goes, Gaga, why? And I said, okay. Is your mama there? Yeah. I said, uh, let me just guess. He loves you to the very core of your being, no matter what you have done in your life and the things that you feel regret and guilt in the terrible decisions that you've made. Let me guess that she still loves you. And if you packed up today and went home, she would receive you in your house because she's never forgotten her love for you. 
goes, yeah, man. He starts, like, weeping right there at the coffee shop, and everyone's now really looking, and my drug cartel buddy's going, what just happened, right? And he's having this moment. He starts talking about his mom, and remember the last time he talked to her, and literally she had said, you can just come home. You can just come home, right? And I look at him. I said, I said, and he started crying. I said, hey, man, just go home because you're not forgotten. He gets up, man, like all Toby size of him, comes around, wraps his whole body around me. And then my drug cartel buddy comes up. We're having a mutual hug together right there at the coffee shop, right? And listen, I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him again, right? But I'm like believing that, listen, God spoke in the moment. I'm believing God sent him home. I'm believing the love of God through the love of a mother, the God, mom, trait of never forgetting changed his life. That's what I'm hoping and believing. Moms never forget. Moms never forget. Never forget. Third thing. Moms speak up. Moms speak up, right? In this story here, I guess it's a really, really, like I could say, moms yell. I could say that, right? That's what happened with Jesus. That's what happened with God right here in Isaiah. But like, like God's like, moms speak up in the moment, right? In these verses, God said for a while he kept silent. Again, they were, listen, you got to recognize this, this was the season of being in captivity because of their sin. Here's what you have to recognize. God, listen, God put them on a journey, right? A journey of reconciliation because of their disobedience, right? He put them on a journey of discipline. And God said, for a while, I have to be silent because you have to get your life right, right? And so the idea, let me say this to all of you in this room, never short circuit the journey of discipline that God puts on you. If you're in an area of discipline, God may be silent, and you can't say, well, God's not speaking. He's like, I'm not speaking because I'm being silent. Because I need you to take your eyes off of self, put them back up here. And once you do that, like the Israelites began to do, God began to speak. But he began to speak. He said, I've kept silent, but now is the time that I pant and I yell like a mother who was giving birth because that's how loud I will yell for you. It's a God mom trait. Like, listen, I'll never forget. Seventh grade. I have Miss Davis. She's my English teacher and my homeroom teacher. <clears throat> Somewhere along the way, she started not liking me. I knew it. I could feel it, <clears throat> right? Came home, told my mom about it. She said, okay, I'll give her a call tomorrow. My mom, God-fearing, Jesus-loving woman, she calls Miss Davis and says, we need to talk. My son says that there's some tension with you, and I just let them know what's going on. Well, she proceeds to say, well, listen, your son, he's just been very, very disrespectful. He's doing X, Y, and Z in the room. Um, I feel like he's really trying to come against me. He's trying to turn the whole tide of the room, da 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 And my mom's listening, going, okay. That does not sound like my son, but I'll go talk to him about it, and I'll call you back. So she comes and says, this is what Ms. Davis is saying. I'll be honest, I was like, I remember, I'm sitting there at the house going, Mom, I don't know what she's talking about. That's never happened, right? Like, I've never, disres- I've never intentionally disrespected her. Looking back, I had ADD, right? I was like, eh, whatever. So but she was feeling this, and then she was creating her own false narrative 
about why I was doing it. Makes sense? She's created this whole story in her mind how I'm out to get her, and it ain't true. So my mom says, calls her back and said, I've talked to Steve about your conversation with you. He said it's not true, and I believe him. But I would love to bring him in and talk to you so we can figure this out together. And so we did. We walked into her office, into her, into her room. My mom, just very gracious, sat down and said and brokered a conversation between the two of us. And I looked at Miss Davis and I said, Miss Davis, can I be honest with you? I said, I'm sorry. I just get really distracted and it's nothing personal against you. And I'm so, I literally said, if it hurts your feelings, I don't mean super self-aware as a seventh grader. I don't know where this came from. I said, I'm super sorry. And, and, and my mom, and she, she said, well, what, what, she looked at me. She looked at us and said, what can I do next time this happens? And I, looked, I said, well, can you, I said, well, you could just look at me and say, Steve, let this be our little moment. She's like, okay, I'll do that. Two days later, we're sitting there reading Odysseus. I was bored out of my mind. All right? Nothing against Odysseus, right? And I, and I just, I mean, you know how it is, uncontrollably, my mind just wanders over here. I've been reading Odysseus for a total of like three whole minutes. No, it's like been 15, 20 minutes, right? And I'm like, I, and I start, I literally like start moving and rustling around and start singing. Right? And all of a sudden I hear, Steve, look at Miss Davis. And she just kind of does this. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like this, right? I get my book. It's like, mm-hmm, right? And she just smiled and laughed, and we kept on going. Do you know why? Because the God-mom trait of speaking out all of a sudden came out of my mom, and she fought for me. She would not be silent. Listen, what would have happened? What would have happened if Mary, the mother of Jesus, had not come to Jesus at the wedding and spoken up, annoying Jesus a little bit, and said, Jesus, they're out of wine. What are you going to do? Right? Like, Mom, speak enough. You got to do something, Jesus. You got to fix this, right? Come on. She's like, Mom, just leave me alone. My time hasn't come yet. She's like, "Mm -mm." listen, because that's something's about to happen over here, right? It has this moment. Like, I have to just imagine, go give me the story. Like, there's this whole human element to that story where I'm looking at it going, Mary knew something was going on. I want to believe because I think in prayer God shared it with her. She knew she had to go to Jesus to be the God moment in her in his life to get him kind of kick-started, to listen to the Father, to be obedient, and to do the first miracle. I could be wrong, but I think it's partially true, right? Because he wasn't going to do anything until Mary came, and then she got done, and I have to believe yeah, he got done. Miracle and ministry began, and I have to believe after the facts, either on earth or in heaven, and Jesus walked up to Mama Mary and said, hey, thanks for the nudge and speaking out. I have to just think that, right? I have to think that speaking up may literally mean fighting for. Speaking up may mean going to God in prayer and literally like an intercession to the point tears begin to flow and just cry out for your children, whether they're your bio, your adopted, your foster, your spiritual, your grands, I don't, whatever it is. You speak out. You speak out. God is speaking up here in the story 
like a mother who is not silent. I just want to say to every mom who annoys their child, but for the purpose of saving them, protecting them, and fighting for them, thank you and keep it up. Somewhere along the way, they're going to wake up and realize, thank you for doing that. It took me a while. It took you a while. So you're like, I still don't like it, right? That's a beautiful God trait. And women, it's the trait of God in you. Man, we speak up too, and we still show compassion and comfort. You know, I'm getting out. We, have, we mutually kind of share a lot of these things. But these are primarily these God mom traits that Jesus God recognizes here in Isaiah about himself. Like today, we want to say to moms, and everything, we're done, we're done. I'm just going to have to pray for you all in a second. We honor you. We honor the image of God that you carry that makes you unique. We honor the fact that in the eyes of God, you are equals, you are co-laborers. I will say this, and I'd encourage you to go study it. You think you're studying the seminary? You know, we talk about men being under women, right, as in being subservient or whatever, like an under in the New Testament. Do you realize that was only birthed as a result of the fall? First two chapters of Genesis, we were equals. It was only at that place here in the fall. And the idea then of the kingdom redeeming itself with Jesus coming is the celebration of women stepping into their images of God and celebrating them. So with that, if you were 18 and over, I want you to go and stand this morning. If you're, 18, if you're a woman, 18 and over, if you would please stand this morning. Men, stay down. All right. So this morning I was talking about you, talking about each of you. Like AK just turned, man. She's like, 18 is weird for me. Like, oh, my gosh, Mama AK, right? Kind of weird, but beautiful and right at the same time. So if you're like, I don't, I don't consider myself this way at all. Well, God does. You carry these God-mom traits. And I don't care if you're killing it or not. You're going to. You're going to begin to grow into these things. As you begin to give yourself to Jesus more, all of a sudden the God traits begin to blossom and bloom and be fashioned and come out inside of you. And all of a sudden along the way you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just like you named the person who was the greatest mom figure in your life. I recognize some of you had terrible moms. And I'm sorry. Honestly, let me just say this to you. If you had a terrible mom, then go be for somebody else what you wish your mom had been for you. Rather than sit there and go, oh, my mom was so bad, say, I'm going to take that and redeem that and go be a great mom for somebody else. Rather than put your energy into complaint, sorry, then go put your energy into salvation of somebody else. Okay? Beautiful and it's right. All right. Look around the room. Make it uncomfortable for a second and see every other mom in here. You make eye contact, smile, and just know this is awkward. Why is he doing this, right? The image of God. You are image bearers. Celebrate that. I'm going to pray for you. You're around someone and uh, um, put your hand in appropriate places on them. As I pray for them, you're more than welcome to pray silently to yourself also. Over them, I encourage you today sometime if you take some time and do that. Now, Jesus, we understand, Lord, so many things in creation and so many things about men and women. There's so many things we just don't understand and people who say they do don't. 
there's so much a mystery around your creation and how you shaped and fashioned people and what your image looks like and what it means and how it expresses itself. But what we know very clearly is you designed and fashioned male and female. You placed your image in them and your traits in these places that bring hope and salvation and healing and love for other people. God, those are your image. That's your image and your traits being expressed. And we thank you for the God-mom traits that these women right here will be are expressing and will continue to express. Lord, I pray today for those who are hurting. I pray for healing. Those who are wrestling with hope, I pray you would fill them with hope. God, those who are like the ones who say, I just feel forsaken and I just feel forgotten. I pray today, Lord, would you open up their ears to hear you crying out at the top of your lungs for them. You will not remain silent and you are not silent for them. I pray for those today, God, who, who say, yes, I have these specific instances where I'm parenting. I pray grace in that. I pray your movement, Jesus. I pray for the empowerment in their life. Father, we invite you just to, to stir the fruit of your spirit unending into the lives of each woman here today. God, my stories were small, but the stories that you can do, you do, and you do through these women are much bigger and powerful. Pray, Jesus, today they would just be awakened to celebrate that you celebrate them. That you don't look at them ever and think of them as being an inferior person, an inferior creation. God, they may, quote-unquote, be weaker in the physical sense. They may not win many arm wrestling contests with their husband. Who knows? Maybe they do. But I thank you in spirit, God. They are just as strong. They are equal, God. To sit with that child and comfort them shows the exact amount of strength that it took to chase after the perpetrator and bring justice. Because it's the nature of the God trait, and they're all equal. Bless them today and awaken them, Jesus, to your fullness and speak life over them, whether here or virtually, God. We bless them. So, Jesus, we love our moms. We pray this in your name. We're going to go to a time of worship and when the lights down and people to pray for you. And, and so, if that's you this morning, you want to get prayer, let it pray for you. I just encourage you in this time just to. Maybe with your mom or celebrate, whatever it may be. Uh, if your mom's in the room, you're not sitting next to her, why don't you just make your way over to her and just come love on her this morning. And this morning, I just want to invite you. If you want prayer for anything going on in your life this morning, then I just invite you to come and get prayer. I invite you just to worship this morning. Maybe just... Like, I don't fully understand everything Steve was talking about, but I do believe I was created in your image, and maybe I have not celebrated that well enough. Just begin to celebrate how he designed you. Maybe just begin to, maybe today it's like, God, I'm going to use my voice, and you just begin to intercede and pray for someone that you're parenting, you're loving, and God's brought to be.